Welcome to Fearless Mom. We want to start by welcoming in our online audience. You moms out there, remember, you may be watching by yourself, but you are not alone. There's a group of moms here in Austin cheering you on. Right, girls? We believe in you. We are walking with you, and we are cheering you on from the greatest city ever. So maybe you'll get a chance to visit one day. We'd love to see you. Um, now, we have been in a series called It's a Big Deal, and we learn in Fearless Mom that most of us operate on a parenting pendulum. Last week, we talked about laughter, and today we're going to talk about order, and most of us drift naturally toward one or the other, toward laughter and play or toward order and routine, but we know that our children need both. And so what we say about the parenting pendulum is, no matter which way you drift, whether it's laughter and play or order and routine, our children, our homes are most at peace when our parenting pendulum is here in the middle. So last week I shared with you about the importance of laughter and how to incorporate laughter and play into our homes. But this may surprise you. I'm glad you're sitting down, live audience. Brace yourself, online audience. I drift toward laughter and play. And so, because of that, I have a special guest speaker today to talk about order and routine. That's right. We had to bring somebody in. Somebody who knows what she's talking about. So today we'll hear from Cheryl Murph, and she is on staff at Prestonwood Baptist Church. She's one of the founding members there. She's a wife. She's a mom. She's a grandmother. And I'm just going to say, put your hands together and welcome the queen of order and routine, Cheryl Murph, to the stage. We are so happy you're here with us today. Looking forward to hearing from you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you today. I'm always inspired when I'm around a group of women like you. I love women. I love how beautifully complex we are. And I love how strong and resilient and flexible we are. And yet we're soft and caring and loving as well. So we just, we just have it all. And I feel so privileged to be a woman, and I know you do too. As women, we have so many pulls on our lives, don't we? And even though we all have different circumstances, we all struggle with having so many responsibilities. We fill the roles of wife, mother, grandmother, daughter, sister, friend, co-worker, and we're the caretaker and nurturer in many of those relationships, which can be very draining. The expectations are sometimes overwhelming, aren't they? Well, life is a juggling act for sure. Many days it feels like we're just managing a three-ring circus. Is there anyone here who does not feel like you have too much to do? We all deal with this reality, particularly in the culture in which we live. It seems that everyone feels frazzled much of the time. Do you feel like your responsibilities and ambitions add up to more than you can handle? Do you find yourself asking questions like, when will I ever get my life under control? How did I get into this mess? Why did I say yes to this? How did I get so busy? Why can't I manage my time? Do you feel like you've missed too many quiet times, been too impatient with your kids, taken your husband for granted, fed important relationships with leftovers? 
Have you been too busy to pursue God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength? Well, today, we're going to consider the idea that we can create a life and home that has order and balance. Our hearts yearn for simplicity, order, and harmony. Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 14.40 that all things should be done decently and in order. Obviously, this is something that requires a great deal of discipline and focus. And it's really a lifelong journey, one in which we never achieve perfection. Having a life and a home that runs smoothly and efficiently doesn't happen accidentally. And finding a balance for you and your family is something that will require a very customized plan. It's going to look different person to person. We're not just talking about being organized for organization's sake. We're talking about something much deeper than that, order and balance. To bring order and balance to your life, your specific life, is both a daily and a lifelong matter. In order to make this work, you really have to give proper time and attention to it. Scripture tells us in Ecclesiastes 9.10 that whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Our goal is to create a life that has order because the more balanced our life is, the more we will enjoy each day and each season. Of course, as Christian women, our goal is to be like Christ. And if you study his life on earth you see that he led an ordered life of balance in the midst of great difficulty, pressure, and persecution. And he was in constant communication with God, seeking his perfect will. So that's our model. As we begin this process, we have to start with setting priorities. If you do not set your own priorities, other people will set them for you. Have you ever noticed that? If you don't identify what your priorities are, you can't possibly know how best to spend your time and energy. You'll be pulled off course constantly by the many demands of each day. Seek God's help in determining what your priorities should be and then develop your schedule around those priorities. One of your priorities as you're thinking about a balanced life has to be to remember the Sabbath. In Genesis, when God created the world, he rested on the seventh day. And in Exodus, when he gave the Ten Commandments to Moses, one of those commands was to remember the Sabbath and take a day of rest. We are a tired generation. Evidence of that abounds. We have more leisure time than ever, and yet we're exhausted because we really don't understand genuine rest. Rest is a necessity for those who want to have order, balance, growth, and maturity. Rest is a necessity for those who want to be obedient to God's plan and to be healthy, happy, and whole. Your heart must have a quiet place where all is in order, a place from which comes the energy that overcomes turbulence. Silence and solitude is critical, and we can only find that in time alone with God. When you protect your heart and the heart of your family, life flows and the capacity to bring order to your life increases. 
Proverbs 4.23 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. Once you have determined your priorities, the next step to creating a life you want is to set your schedule around those priorities. Each of us has 24 hours in every day. You know, time is really the one resource that is distributed with complete equality. You can't approach time casually because each hour we have on earth is a gift. Don't complain about not having enough time. We all have time and we all have the same amount of time. How we choose to use that time is up to us. Your life is a gift from God and time is the organizational foundation of that life. You're honoring the Lord's plan and blessing him with the fruit of your life when you use your time well. Colossians 4.5 says, Conduct yourselves wisely, making the most of your time. Time must be budgeted just like money. The concept of giving the Lord a portion of your time and money is consistent with God's blessing and favor on your life. When you give God a portion of your income, he miraculously uses that act of obedience to make your finances work out and other things in your life. The same is true with spending a portion of your time with the Lord and in service to him. He will help you maximize your efforts as you obey him in these two areas of your life. As you're learning how to manage your time, it's important to understand your own rhythms and patterns. What time of day you work best. If you're a morning person, plan around that. If you're a night owl, you might accomplish more after the rest of the house is asleep. In thinking about your schedule, remember that life is full of interruptions, and many of these are God-ordained, so don't be totally rigid in your approach to your time and your schedule. Well, as we think about setting priorities and building our schedule, we're going to talk about a few things, and we must start with daily non-negotiables. We all have things that we have to do every single day. As Christian women, our number one goal should be at quiet time with the Lord, whether that's five minutes or 30 minutes or two hours, some portion of time must be spent with the Lord. We also have to spend an amount of time on personal hygiene and our appearance. We have, um, we have to sleep. We have work we have to do, whether we work full-time, part-time, or stay-at-home mom. It's a lot of work, isn't it? Uh, exercise relationships with friends and extended family, all of these things are non-negotiable. We're social people, and we have to spend time in all of these areas with friends and family, our children, our husband. All of those relationships take a certain amount of time, don't they? And so as you think about the daily non-negotiables, that's a pretty big block of your time. And as you start building out the rest of your schedule, one of the tools that I think is so um, helpful is the use of calendars. And everyone should have calendars that you look at because they give you broad brush overview of your life. A yearly calendar in which you see, oh, we have vacation this month or we have a wedding that month or whatever it is. It's good to look at the big picture, isn't it? And then a monthly calendar is very important. You can tell on the first of the month, kind of do a a look ahead and see what your month is going to look like. And then weekly calendars are very helpful on Sunday night to look at your week and kind of see and and order what your week is going to be like. 
And then your daily calendar, and this is something that if you're new to this or this is not in your wheelhouse, I like this tip, and it is taking a, a day and divide it into three blocks, morning, afternoon, and evening. And as you do that, Sunday through Saturday, put in the blocks that you already have committed to. For instance, Wednesday morning, Fearless Mom. Sunday morning, church, you know, whatever your big blocks of time are. If you work part-time, put those in. And then that allows you to look at your week and see where your openings are for everything else. And it can be a little overwhelming to think, I've got to fit all that into this space. But it also helps you and challenges you to do that and, and kind of have a structure to it instead of just a whatever attitude towards it. Another thing that I like to use, a tool that I use um, and I've used my entire life, and that's to become a list maker. Now, all of you are young, and you may think you don't need to make lists, that you'll remember it, and you probably will. When you're my age, you will not. So it's a good habit to get into, and it also gives you a certain amount of structure that helps you maximize your efforts, and that's what we're trying to do is to get the most out of what we're doing. So I keep five lists all the time. I keep a phone calls list. I keep a to-do list, and those are not errands, but just kind of things around home or work to do. I keep a list of errands I need to run, and I keep that list in my car so that when I use that block of time to run errands, I have that right with me. I keep a grocery list, and I keep that one in my kitchen so that as I'm cooking, I have that right there handy. And then I keep a prayer journal. And I actually keep my prayer journal list on my cell phone. And honestly, you could keep all your lists on your cell phone and then they're right with you since those are glued to our bodies all the time. That's maybe a good thing for you to do. Um, I love paper and pens and colors and coding and all that. So I, I have all of that that I love. But if you like keeping it all on your cell phone, do that. I found in prayer journal, I had a prayer journal at home, and then someone would stop me and say, oh, would you pray for me about this or that? And by the time I got home, I had promptly forgotten it. So it's better for me to keep it handy on my cell phone. Okay, now you've talked about, we've talked about determining priorities and setting your schedule. Now we're going to talk about the topic of home organization. And let me just tell you that if your home is not a haven for you and your family, or a place of restoration for you. And if it doesn't bring you peace and calm and focus and harmony, something's not right. You should be connected to your home. Your family should be connected to your home. It's really a metaphor of your life. And I can usually walk into someone's home and tell immediately the general gist of their life. And so it's really a metaphor. It really is. It's it's a, a bird's eye view of what your life is like. And it really is very, very important. Your home is very, very important. Some people are naturally organized people. They just have the skill set to bring order to whatever they're involved in. But many people are not organized by nature. And for them, running a household can be a daunting task. And I know many of you struggle with that. I'm going to share with you what I do in my home every single year. And this is how I keep order in my home. I've done this for decades. It may seem overwhelming to you, but it works for me, and because you can do this in bits and pieces, you can do it in whatever schedule you want, I'm going to share it with you because I think it's I think it works. I know it works. 
As you implement this process I'm going to tell you about, your goal is to surround yourself with useful and beautiful things. Let go of the things that take up space and weigh you down. All the surplus and junk and accumulation and excess, get rid of it. All right, so when we start this process, the first thing you're going to do in your home is you're going to go room to room. You just take it a room at a time. And you go in that room, and let's just say you walk in your living room. And that room has no chest of drawers, no closet, no nothing. It's just a room. So you divide that room up into zones, and that room would only be one zone, that room. If you go in your dining room, one zone might be the china cabinet. And if that's the only other thing you have besides your dining room table, the second zone is the rest of the room. So in the dining room, zone one is china cabinet. Zone two is the rest of the room. In your kitchen, one zone might be your kitchen cabinets. Second zone would be your pantry. Third zone would be the rest of the room. And you take each zone and you focus on that. You either take everything out or clean everything out. You touch every item in that zone. And you're going to sort or group like items. So let's go back to the dining room. In the china cabinet, one group would be your crystal. Another group is your china. And another group is your table linens. And those are all in your china cabinet. Well, what you do with all of that, you look at it and you identify surplus. If you have 60 tablecloths, you probably have too many. And, you know, we inherit things and we accumulate things. And then over time, they just build and build and build. And you're like, how did I end up with 60 tablecloths? But you have those. And so sort those. Pick out the the five or ten that you like the very most that you use. And you're going to set the others aside to discard. And so you group all of your items and you identify surplus and, and set that aside. In your children's room... You might have um, a zone, might be uh, their bath, uh, your daughter's bathroom, and she has a million hair bows, or she has. So you just get all these things together in like items. You identify, you identify surplus, and then you discard. Now, if you think about this idea that having less means that you can enjoy what you have more, this makes a lot of sense. And. Everything that you discard and that is surplus, you're either going to give away, throw away, or sell. Get it out of your house. And while you're doing this process of room to room, just put it in garbage bags and take it to the garage, and you can deal with all of it together at the end. So you go room to room. You divide the room into zones. You group items that are alike. You identify surplus, and you discard what is excess. And then you're going to put everything back in the china cabinet or back in the chest of drawers or back in the bathroom cabinets. And in doing that, you might just put those items back in in that china cabinet. But you might also want to um, find really fun, cute containers, and they are everywhere from Target to Hobby Lobby to Walmart to every container store, everywhere in the world. They have so many fun, colorful bright, useful containers, and you can find one that's appropriate for each of those, and that helps your family as there, as you say, uh, put all your hair bows in this pink box or put all your shoes in this, you know, shoe rack or whatever. So find things that help you stay managed and organized. 
And then when you finish that process in that room, you clean the room top to bottom. I'm talking about a good old spring cleaning, top to bottom. Now, I do this process every year between Christmas and New Year's because that is a time that makes sense to me. Um, you're taking Christmas decorations down. Everything's kind of quiet. The phone doesn't ring a lot that week. So that's when I do my home organization. But you can do it any time of year. You can do it in the summer when your kids are at camp. You can do it a room at a time each month if it doesn't work for you to do it all at once. January can be your dining room month, and February can be your kitchen month, and do it once a month. Particularly if this is overwhelming to you, that's probably a good way to start and to do it a room at a time, a month at a time. But however you do it, by the time you finish this process, you have literally put your hands on every single thing in your house. And what that does, that discipline forces you to make a decision about each item's usefulness and whether or not you still need it. So it's a really important thing to do. It will help you as you reduce excess in your home. And then you always have big projects like income tax or cleaning out the garage or, you know, recipes or or memorabilia or all of that. Don't get sidetracked by those things. I mean, you can be in your kid's room and you've got this task and you're going to finish it by the end of the day. And before you know it, you're in the floor looking through pictures and crying, you know. (laughs) So don't get sidetracked by those things. Put them in a container and set them aside and get big, do big projects later. We all do that. All right. Now we're going to talk about some organizational habits And these are things that are just really good things to incorporate into your life and your home. And the first organizational habit, and I do think this is the most important, main, key thing in terms of organization, and that is to have the ability to throw things away. If you cannot and do not, you're in trouble. Because you think of what you accumulate and what your children accumulate, what your husband accumulates, and all of that You know what I'm talking about. We all live in in the middle of that. So you have to be able to throw things away. Physical clutter creates emotional clutter, not only for you but for your family. And decluttering isn't just simplifying your life. It's really having a vision and setting new priorities. Too much stuff sabotages your efforts to keep order in your home. I read a blog recently by Jay John, who is a prominent pastor in the London area, And I thought it was interesting that he was writing on this, but he said that decluttering is one of the most important things we can do. He states that clutter seems to be the disease of our time and culture. And because successful decluttering is hard, we need to really have the right attitudes as we approach it, and that is a ruthless stop-at-nothing determination to declutter. All right, a second good organizational habit is if you get something out, Put it away immediately. Now, that may seem like a small, trivial thing, but if you go through the day and you get five or ten things out and you don't put them back and each of your family members does the same thing, by the end of the day, your house looks cluttered, doesn't it? So if you will just, if you get something out, instead of just setting it down, put it back where it belongs. Very simple thing that has really big uh, impact on your home. Another good habit If something takes less than five minutes to do, do it now. Don't put it off. If it's going to be change the light bulb in the living room lamp, do it right now. I used to, because I love lists so much, I used to put change the light bulb in the living room 
And then each night I'd redo my list because I wanted to be real clean and, and orderly. So I'd rewrite it. And I might have written four days in a row, change the light bulb in the living room. Well, obviously I could have changed the light bulb many times before I, you know, instead of writing it on the list four times. So this, this little tip has really helped me because I think, is this a quick thing? If it is, focus and, and discipline yourself to do it immediately. Another one, and I love this one particularly for families, implement the 15-minute rule in your home. And what this is, is that everyone, including you, including husband, including children, including everyone that lives in the house, except for the dog, um, everyone does four chores in the morning and four chores in the evening. And I mean little things. Before before you leave the house, before anybody leaves the house, four things. And your four chores could be make up your bed, empty the dishwasher, start a load of laundry, fold the load that you left in the dryer last night. And your children's chores could be take out the trash, feed the dog, make up their bed, you know, whatever. And then in the evening, everybody repeats that. It's a very good discipline to teach your children and to teach yourself and to help you. It helps you, but it can make it fun and make it a game. There can be a reward system for it, or a, a, at the end of the week, you go do something fun together as a family if everybody does that. But it's really, really a good um, a good fun thing to do. And in the evening, want, make one of everybody's chores kind of a quick pickup of the house. They pick up their room, you pick up the family room, whatever, and you will be astounded at the difference that makes in the order of your home. Another good organizational habit, uh, and this is another fun family thing, is to practice the trash bag tango. And this is everyone in the house once a week gets two black trash bags. And one of them, they go through their domain, their bedroom, their man cave, the kitchen, whatever each person's place is. They go through that, and in one of the black garbage bags, they put trash. And in the other one, they put things to get to discard, to give away, sell, or throw away. And so if they do that once a week, and then you, you all meet in the garage, and everybody has their two trash bags, the trash ones go in the trash, and the discard ones go in another pile to take to Goodwill or to take to your clothes closet at your church or in your community. And so all of these tips are just things that are good for keeping um, everybody involved in the game of keeping order in the home. All right, now I'm going to talk to you about some efficiency tips. And one of the things about efficiency as you just think about the premise of this whole thing, is that it's so important to just finish what you're doing before you start something new. Do you ever just feel like a chicken with your head cut off? I mean, when I have frantic days, I may empty half the dishwasher and then go fold a half load of clothes and then answer the phone and then do this, and you look up and you are just running around like a maniac. It's a very inefficient way to work. So really concentrate on finishing what you're doing before you start something new. It really helps you use your time and your energy more efficiently. Obviously, the biggest interruption in our world are these cell phones and social media and emails and computers. And I just can't stress enough how important it is to take a Sabbath from those or to turn them off at certain times. But definitely don't let them determine your world and your priorities. If you're working and you're in a, a block of time and you're doing uh, housework and you get let the phone interrupt you, that phone has taken command of your priorities. So really minimize your interruptions, particularly as it relates to the phone and social media. 
Another great efficiency tip, and I love this one because this one was pretty revolutionary for me. Uh, learn how to work in 30-minute blocks of time. I read a book entitled The Power of a Half Hour, and it was by Tommy Barnett, who's a pastor in the Phoenix area. And he talked about the life-changing block of time of a 30-minute block of time. And he said if you study the life of Jesus in his three-year ministry, he did a lot that looked like it was in 30-minute blocks of time, a sermon here, a miracle there, a stopping to visit with someone here and there, a meal with someone. And I think it's unrealistic today to think I'm going to uh, sit at my desk for four straight hours and not be interrupted, and I've got four small children. That's just probably not going to happen, is it? But if you think about 30 minutes and you tell your children, Mommy is going to uh, pay bills right now, and I want you to read this book, and I'm going to work in for 30 minutes, and then we'll do something fun, it really helps you, and you're also teaching your children while you're doing that. So I love the 30-minute block of time. This concept really can be life-changing for you, I promise. Another efficiency tip is to break big projects down into manageable pieces. So if you think about the organization of your whole home, that whole process of spring cleaning your whole home, that's a big, big project, isn't it? And many of you are like, "I I can't even make my brain go there. But if you think about it, about a room, one room, and start with an easy room that only has one zone, or two zones, and you do that, and you turn the lights off, and you walk away, and you threaten the life of any person that goes in there and messes up what you've done, you get some success under your belt, so you feel good about what you've done, and uh, you, your kids can talk to their counselor about it and their therapist later about it. Um, the last efficiency tip I want to talk to you about is just to streamline chores and consolidate efforts, and by that I mean... Um, If you're watching TV at night, there are a few things you can do that you can kind of um, do while you're watching TV that are mindless. Get the junk drawer out and put it in your lap and straighten it up. Do some ironing, you know, something like that that you can do while you're watching TV and sort of relaxing. Or um, when you're cooking, cook a double recipe and freeze it or take it to someone who's sick and just learn how to think in terms of doubling your efforts and kind of maximizing your time. Well, I want to give you a few keys to organizational success, and I want you to really think about the fact that as you approach this entire subject, and it's a big subject, remember that some progress is better than no progress. And so have realistic expectations. You know what your ability and your desire and your time is better than anyone. And so make your goals fit you and fit your family and fit your home. Make them realistic. The second one is consistency. And if you just do the same thing over and over and over again, it becomes a pattern. And so just be consistent in your efforts of order and balance. The next one is maintenance. And that is just, we've talked a little bit about that, keeping up with the progress you've made. And the 15-minute rule helps with that. If something takes five minutes or less to do, do it immediately. All those things help you with maintenance, keeping up with what you've done. And then the last one is just family involvement. I think it's important to communicate to your family what you're doing. Tell them what you're doing and why. I want us to have the most wonderful, fun, Christ-honoring home there is. And in order to do that, we're going to work together, and you're going to see 
me do things and implement things that I'm going to teach you and have you be involved with me on. I think it's so great for your kids. And make it fun. Develop family traditions. Make little games or little contests out of it. There's so much you can do. Y'all are so clever at doing those sorts of things. And uh, so make it make it a fun family thing. But once you've a, a, once you've achieved a clear vision for the life you want and you have that pictured in your mind, take responsibility for achieving that vision. Remember, your home is a training ground for your children. You're modeling these important concepts to them because they're going to grow up and have homes of their own. And I can tell you from things I learned from my mom and dad and watching them develop a household and and go through life, so much of what I do, I learned from them. And so think about that. It's a training ground. Perfection is not the goal. Balance is your objective. And it's going to look different from person to person and home to home. Don't compare yourself. Deal with what you have and what you want and work it that way. Create order in a way that works specifically for your family. Don't be afraid to experiment. If you love something, keep it. If you try something and it doesn't work for you, toss it. You know, it's, there's not a, a, a real definitive thing about this. You can really create this in whatever way you want to. But do make it fun and make it important to your children. Make them see how important it is. You know, change takes time, and it's very difficult. And the older you get, the more difficult change is. In our world of instant gratification, we just give up too easily sometimes on things that are important. So don't be in a rush to fix every single element of your life instantly, especially if this is not a real giftedness of yours. You know, be patient with yourself. Ordering your life and home is not really something you necessarily do, but it's a commitment to living in a particular way. Proverbs 31 describes all the many characteristics of a godly woman, and I've included uh, the New Living Translation of that in your handout because I think it's so relative, makes it so relative to to our world and our culture and where we are. But for a a wife and a mom, this is our goal, Proverbs 31. It looks... um, Unachievable doesn't, doesn't it? And it looks unachievable because it's perfection and we're not perfect. And so we have to look to God to cover our ineptness and our imperfections with his grace. And he does. Deuteronomy 2.7 says, For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. The intent is to have a home that honors the Lord and one that supports and encourages your family. So ask God to bless your efforts. I pray this for each one of you as you think about these principles that we've talked about and apply them to your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for each girl here and for each home that um, she represents. We have so many um, needs and so many hurts and so many joys and so much happiness. And you've given us so much, and I just pray that you would meet each girl here at her point of need and you know what those are and I just pray that you would go before us and just order our day protect our families where they are right now our children our husbands just safeguard them and I pray that as we look at our homes we understand the importance of it and that we strive to make it Christ honoring a haven for our family that you've given us and that you've um, just blessed us with So I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.